Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas. People, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host, Dennis Simpson, as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village, the award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007 or find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at one 800 364 9007 or online at explorehsv.com. Ike Eisenhower State Farm. Ike and his award-winning team have been serving the insurance needs of folks all around Hot Springs Village since 1998. Ike has qualified for State Farm's President's Club, Chairman's Circle, and Hot Springs Village Insurance Agent of the Year. Call them today at 501-984-4100. That's 501-984-4100. You can also find them online at IkeEisenhower.net. Call them today for your insurance needs because like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So Kelly, tell me how exactly being the general manager of the POA for a private corporation is a lot like being a mayor or not or is or isn't. Well, you know, I really didn't know what it was going to be like when I got in the seat. So, you know, I used to watch, you know, the mayors on all the television shows and they seem to be more of a politician, uh, how they deal with staying in office as an elected official. You know, unlike the board members, I'm not an elected official. I do sit on the board, but I'm a non-voting board member. Uh, I'm a hired official, (laughs) which means uh, I'm accountable for actually what we do do. Um, so you got to play mayor, uh, because you get invited to a lot of public speaking events and people want to be around and, you know, want to hear what you have to say. And you've got to be the representation of the BOA, which is the brand. Uh, but at the same time, you've also got to be a city manager and you've got to be the city comptroller and, uh, manage that aspect of how the money's being spent through the different departments. And I've got great directors. I've done a complete restructuring of the POA. And I like to surround myself with people that are smarter than me. And, you know, I really depend on them to be the resident experts. And I'm just the common sense guy. If it doesn't sound right, it's probably not right. Um, You know, my wife tells me, you know, you need to give yourself credit for more. You've done more in your life. You're a pretty sharp businessman. But I also like to keep myself grounded uh, in the aspect that I'm not an engineer like Ken Unger. Ken Unger is very good at what he does. I recruited him for what he has. I'm not even going to pretend to, you know, step in his shoes. But, you know, same thing with Tom Heffer. I'm not a golf guy, you know, and I don't want to step on his shoes or anything with anything. But it's like I tell my folks all the time. Grass is green, water's wet, 
Roads don't have holes in them. Uh, you know, keep it simple. You know, and I spend a lot of time going around looking at the village and I look at things from a customer facing view. As in when I get out of my car and I'm walking up to a clubhouse or I'm going to a show at the Woodlands, do the flower beds look nice? Has this been done? Has that been power washed? You know, what are my expectations for what I'm paying in this community? And, you know, and some people, you know, we all come from different walks of life in different parts of the country. And, you know, some people's expectations for what they're paying for here, you know, it's a little unreasonable. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good word. I was thinking of a few others, but yeah, unreasonable, <laughs> <clears throat> because I, I really think the value for what we have here is phenomenal. You know, I, I say this over and over again. You know, the average HOA, HOA fee in the United States is anywhere between $250 and $300. And you can Google it. Mm-hmm. And somebody will prove me wrong. Great. I'm glad you got time to argue with me. Uh, but I do know what I was paying when I left Indiana. And it was $97 a month. No gates, no golf courses, nothing. I've had this conversation probably on your show before. And to think what we're paying here, and you get everything everything in 26,000 acres except the energy is ran by us as the members. Yep. So, you know, you know, really Dennis, I, I refer to, you know, what we do as members all the time, you know, pe- people want to look at the POA, like it's this big fortune 50 corporation that, you know, is dumping waste out in the woods and doing all that. You know what? The POA is like a co-op. And we as members belong to that. Someone has to make the decisions. You can't have 16,000 seats at the chair, at the table, excuse me. Um, but somebody's got to make decisions. And that's the board of directors and myself uh, that represent what is best. And not everybody's going to get what they want. That's called being petty and selfish. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of people that want things done that they're right. <clears throat> it's just not the right time. Yeah. So if you look and if you've been paying attention, I, I try to spread things around to everybody, little here, little there. Well, you know, we make more revenue than they do. Oh, OK, well, you know, your facility's brand new, looks good. And this one hadn't had anything done to it in 20 years. And if we don't protect the investment, we're going to spend three or four times more than if we put a little bit of money into it now. So, you know, I look at what do we as members want? Um, we moved here because we have a gated community. Okay, so, you know, what, what do we want inside the village? Well, we, you know, we want things that are nice. We, I, I personally don't want to leave the fence line to go have entertainment. Mm-hmm. So we try and put a little money into the woodlands, put a little money into the Coronado Center. Uh, so we have shows and plays and speaking events that are really good. Uh, you know, I had a, you know, Don Valdez and uh, his group that do a fundraising event. We had a fundraiser to get lightings for the Coronado Sun. It's from LED lighting. So we put that on and we're going to be able to upgrade that. And that's that venue. We painted the inside for a whopping $500. Uh, and we repurposed an asset that now is prepared to host not only private clubs uh, like the Boomers Rock, uh, the bingo groups, a lot of the organizations that are really big in the community here. But, you know, we'll be able to put on plays at a, at a very class level to keep our people here in the village. 
Same thing with the Woodlands. We just partnered up with the, uh, the VCA made a donation. And I say partner up because they do a lot of good shows there. And that's the Village Concert Association. So, uh, you know, a key thing was for us to upgrade a lighting and camera system that was 20 plus years old or older. So that's where you see when you go to the shows, you see the, the nice LED lighting that looks like Vegas. Um, and they, they donated $15,000 to help with some uh, acoustic sound panels. And, you know, we, we carved a little money out of the budget to uh, help with uh, the sound system. And the lighting. So, you know, for very little money and donations that we go out and recruit and show responsibility with, we now have two great venues that people can go enjoy. You know, when you're paying $25, $30 for a concert ticket I know. versus paying $250, $300 and they're an imitation group, yeah. you know what? Close your eyes. It looks pretty good. <laughs> it looks pretty good, man. That's and they sound I- even better now. They sound even better. But no, it's things like that, though, Dennis, that I think are important uh, because they're, they're not far from home. They allow us to get out and we can socialize with fellow members. It doesn't cost an arm and a leg and you have a good time and you're safe. You're yeah. safe. And that's the key thing to me when I, you know, I take my mom to all the shows. A lot of people see me there. And it's just to me, to me, that's that's what makes the villages, just the things that we have out there. The assets, the golf courses, the lakes, uh, the concert halls, uh, you know, the tennis and the pickleball courts and all of our clubhouses. That's why you saw me going fast and furious trying to get them all painted because they hadn't been painted in a long time. You know, and, and they, if you don't take care of it, just like your home, it's going to rot down around you. Well, we, we were in and we've mentioned this before. We were in and, and, and I understand. I really I'm not trying to make excuses for other boards or anything else. But we were in whack-a-mole situation. The Coronado Center was nice. The Woodlands, very nice. But we were waiting for them to deteriorate. We weren't actively doing anything to improve them. And now that we're on the improvement scale, you know, and uh, and you know, I do telco, I do IT work and telco work. And one of my complaints is, is when you call the the customer service side of things, when I call in from the outside and the phone tree goes nowhere. I press zero and it doesn't go to anywhere. I press one. It doesn't go to anywhere. And it's infuriating. And why is it infuriating? Because the people on the other side of those phones, they never have to call in through that front public number. They never have to get out of the car, look around and go, what's the customer experience like, which is what you're talking about. You come in as a customer, Diane and I have four Airbnbs. Guess what? One night a year or one or two, one or two nights a year, we will stay in each one of our units. To know what that customer experience is like. There is no substitute for walking around, as you would say, with your former employer, but there's no substitute for knowing what it looks like from the customer side of things. And for you, and and we discussed this just a little bit before we hit record, how many hats do you have? Um, A lot. I mean, you've got to be, you got to be the mayor, the city manager, um, you've got to be the, the camp counselor, <laughs> you know, you've got to be sometimes the priest, the rabbi. I mean, it just, it depends on where you're at and yeah. who you're dealing with. And, yeah. you know, it's very unfortunate, Dennis. And, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I mean this sincerely because you and I spend a lot of time interacting back and forth, not just on this. We see each other out in public and we've got to be good friends. Yeah. Um, I'm on a mission and 
my tenure, everybody knows, and I say it over and over again, I didn't move here to take a job. <laughs> I moved here to take care of my mom, retire, play golf, and drink beer. Now, how are those last ones working? It sounds like it, that work is getting not right very good. Way. Not very well. Not very good, matter of fact. So, I mean, it's, it's just getting there. Uh, but, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to people, and there's a lot of people out there that just don't get it. We get zero, zero state or federal funding has been for 52 years the village has been here because it's a private gated community. And there are a lot of people out there that know that it's come up before that if you take your gates down and open the place up to the free world, we will give you money. Doesn't okay? that sound simple? It sounds like a simple trade-off, doesn't it? it you know what? It sounds so simple. I wouldn't live here. Because <laughs> I wouldn't see, either. What, what the beauty is, is the gates. And people are like, well, you got gates and they expect Fort Knox. Yeah. Oh, you know what, man? When you're paying $100 a month, you know, get a clue. You know, I mean, I hate, you know, people like that, you know, and everybody's got a story that, you know, I call BS on about 90% of them about the experience at the gate. Those people are not perfect, but I'll tell you what, I come and go out of those gates regularly going back and forth. I've never just snuck in here. Mm -mm. No, I haven't either. And, and, and let me interrupt. Let me interrupt just for a second. We're about to have a show with Christy Bennett. We've already recorded it. It's in the can. Christy told me a little detail. I didn't know in her off time, she'll go put on a jacket stand and work the front gate. And there's going to be a thousand people that are going to be stunned to hear that story. But when we talk about being in the customer experience mode, there's no substitute. I suspect besides standing behind those barriers and trying not to get hit as people come in the gates and you're asking them to slow down, but I'm with you. I've never snuck in. I, I, I haven't tried, but I never had a success either. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and you know, and that's the reason I, 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 I brought new people to the, to the POA team for the members, for people like Christy that get it, that are going to go and they're going to stand on the front line when they hear things and go look, go see. That's what her and I and many of my other directors do. You know, uh, people call in and talk about how bad their road is. and We go out and there's a pothole about the size of a 50 cent piece and they're calling raising hell and saying how stupid we are and everything. Don't waste my time. You're being petty and you're not going to be a good member in the community. You know, I got no problem just telling people what's on my mind because I don't need the job. I'm here to help. And part of being a helpful individual is to be honest with people. A community is about being a community. So we started talking a moment ago about, you know, funding mm -hmm. and things. So, you know, the village was founded in 1970 when uh, Mr. Cooper and I have I take my hat off to Mr. Cooper, all of them, all 20 of them. All right. Dennis that I wear. Um, what a visionary. And the CCI group, Cooper Community Incorporated, is, is really a great group. We work with them now. There hasn't always been the best relationship between the villagers and CCI. So long before my time, but I do like to do my homework. Don't care, don't wanna know what the issue was. But I will say this, Cooper Community turned the village over to us as members, I believe around 2006, okay? Mm -hmm. Which means they took their corporate money. And advertising. So it, went, it went from being 
under the umbrella of a large corporation that whether you were profitable or not, they would write a check and fund whatever the difference was. Maybe that's a simple way of saying it, but that's the way I see how it works. You can charge $12 for golf. You can charge $36 a month, all right, for assessments when you have a backstop. But for 16, getting ready to be 17 years now, you haven't had that. And that's probably why there's been so much chaos and disarray and whack-a-mole the way we've been doing stuff. I'm not here to talk about my predecessors. I'm not here to talk about boards. I'm trying to educate people on things. You don't have the corporate money coming in. And we should probably be paying around 140, 150 bucks a month to support the need of the ailing infrastructure that we have within our community. Now, I don't want to pay any more money than you want to pay any more money. Just like the people out there are going to be throwing rocks at their TV watching this saying he's insane. Okay. <laughs> Figure it out yourself. And Come you on down. Come on down. Take your seat on the board. But, but <clears throat> even, even then, people, you know, I tell board members, if you're here as a board member for petty reasons, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out you. Because I'm not here as a general manager, right, to be, you know, your interest-bearing thing. Look, if you like playing whatever, great. Go do it away from the board meeting. Don't bring that to the table because I'll, I will stand up in front of God and country, as I've been known to do, like here and at the board meetings, and I will tell you what's on my mind. Why? I got nothing to lose. I do. I'm here to help. We but actually, I think people don't get that, Dennis. They don't understand that this is a labor of love coming from me and my family that we really care and we're as honest as the day's long. You don't have to like me. I know, I know there's people out there that want to argue with this video and say, you don't know, really? We've been doing pretty doggone good with the team. And first thing I had to do is get the team settled down and get rid of a lot of old mindsets. And I don't mean age-wise. I mean the way the village was ran before. All right, And whether you like it or not, how we do things, we're doing them in a logical fashion, cost-effective, and go from there. So let's talk about the public funding for a second. Sure. We don't get anything. We pay $400 million annually in taxes as villagers. That's a proven fact by the University of Arkansas. For the two counties, all right, that is tax revenue that's generated. Property taxes and taxes that we go to Hot Springs, Benton, e-commerce taxes, blah, blah, blah. That's sales tax as well. $400 million. That's a lot of money. We are the 27th largest city, not recognized as a city, but we're the 27th largest in population in the state of Arkansas. So we generate $400 million out and get, how much do you think we get back in return, Dennis? We get our kids educated. That's it. Beyond that, it's zero. Zero. We, we get to go to school, which they would get to go to school any other way, anyway. Exactly. But that's so, it. And as villagers for both Fountain Lake and Jesseville, we contribute approximately 75% of the mill for those two school districts. Really? Yep. So we get nothing in return. So I have been working 
as fast as I can to rebuild relationships with the two counties and the state of Arkansas to let them know who we are. And I've had a team of people uh, through the GAC, through uh, Keith Keck, who's Justice of the Peace, Representative McGrew, Representative Fight, um, Judge Mahoney, Judge Airy, anyone and everyone I can break bread with and get to know them. Um, we've been meeting with secretaries from the state, uh, Secretary of Agriculture, Secretary of Energy and Environmental, goes on and on and on and on. And they've educated us on how we can get a workaround, being a private gated community, for matching grant money that is coming from the American Rescue Plan. The state of Arkansas had $280 million left over for water and wastewater treatment. Did they now? Yes, they did. So out of that money, we are trying to get a portion of that. So that is what I'm working on. That is what we need. We need money invested back into our water treatment facilities, wastewater treatment facilities, that if we have something go wrong, you would notice that very quickly. Well, let, let, let's bite back up just a minute, a little, go by a little high, five mile high just for a second. Yes, there's $400 million. Yes, there's 16,000 16, uh, 16, people. Let's cut to the chase. The politicians, let's face it, the, the politicians, the publicly elected people you're talking about, were elected in part, in no small part, by the fact that the, the village votes. They vote a lot. Yeah. We vote in, in significantly higher numbers than any other community in Arkansas. That said, with that vote, they have to look and go, okay, they vote, but they don't get anything back. How could we kind of correct that? Do you know of anybody that needs any water or infrastructure troubles, Mr. Mr. K.L.? Well, you know, I, I'm, I, I think the biggest thing is, is the state, the state language has really had us handcuffed for a long time. Hmm. So when I got in the chair, I used to deal with a lot of contracts with organized labor. Mm. So when you learn to read the fine print and you learn to look for different avenues or how you interpret the language, mm -hmm. I started challenging that, which then opened a door for how questions could be asked differently. Our, our, our representatives, Representative McGrew and Senator Sample and uh, Western, Mike, Westerman's uh, one of them, yeah. It's coming in and representative fight. They are great people. Our two judges, Ari and uh, Mahoney, uh, great people. I just, I just don't think that anyone from this chair or the board has beat the drum loud enough to get the language really looked at. They've read it, they've interpreted it, but I'm, I'm interpreting it different ways to make people stop and think. And I have, if you've been on any of these meetings with me, I go in armed. And I don't mean guns. I'm talking about with information um, that I've taken the state language and redlined it. And Bob Petty, that's on my GAC, um, you know, he, he's been, you know, we got together and we have strategy sessions on, well, it, it's, it reads this way, but can't you interpret it that way? And we challenge them. And then we sit down with the politicians 
who automatically, like when I met with Lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin, you know, he, he started out with, you know, yeah, 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 you, you private gated community, you can't do this, can't do that. Great guy. Had a great, great lunch with him. But I also showed him some language that we found in the section under Department of Agriculture that speaks to specifically water and wastewater. See, the problem before is, is we've asked for money from the state and the feds, and they think we're going to put it into roads and golf courses and pickleball courts. We didn't take the approach that we went in to be responsible corporate citizens here in the Washita Mountains with our water and wastewater treatment facilities to make sure we never impact a cleanup by the state and the feds. That catches people's attention when you want to be responsible and you have a plan. So we wrote a plan. We put it in a nice binder and gave it to them, did all the legwork for them, changed the language for the state constitution and gave it to them. And that language is being taken to the state house floor here in January, I believe. So, you know, you got to get up and go. So, you know, I probably take the job a little more personal when I be, I don't do social media. You know, this is about the only social media I do is with you. And uh, I don't even call you, this social media. This is just a conversation. This is but how you preserve your sanity, stuff. though. This is how you preserve your sanity, because social media would be not preserve your sanity. If you get my picture. Bunch of children. <clears throat> I'll tell everybody that. Get your facts straight. Get a life. Get a hobby. Go play some golf. All right. Exactly. My point is this, is that, you know, you get more people out there, they'll spend more time typing away, tearing down the base of the community, than they will to actually get up, go get the facts straight and ask how they can help. You'll spend more time, you know, hiding out with email muscles than you will actually getting out and cleaning out a flower bed or finding out that, you know, how can I help in any way, shape or form? But, you know, you're going to have those in any society. Sure, sure. So I laugh, you know, because it's comical. Just don't call yourself a member of this community if you're going to constantly tear it down. It's not perfect. It hasn't been perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. Trust me. But I got no filter. And if I don't think that your interests are in the best interest of the people, not me, the people of this community, which is finding ways to help, then shut up. Well, I say it so bluntly, but, you know, no, you're right. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, Dennis, you know, and that's fine. But, you know, it's like dealing, you know, that's the reason I got off Facebook years ago, back when the 08 election was going on, because it was like dealing with a bunch of children, watching people do nothing but act like children. And I got away from all that stuff. I believe in having honest conversations with people. And I go looking for them all the time. I make myself accessible all the time for people. If you want to say something, come up and say it. And you know what? 98% of the people in this village, they come up and they thank me for what I'm doing. They appreciate what I'm doing. And then you got 2% that you ain't going to make happy no matter what. But I can find that in any social circle, any society, any city you go to. You know, it's easier to just throw rocks than it is actually to pick them up and build a wall out of them. Well, and as Randy notes, that's what this whole program was even set up for is because <clears throat> I think, I, I don't know if you use the term or it's somebody else, but uh, a lot of people have keyboard courage. They oh, would yeah. type on the keyboard something they would never say to you in person, never in a million years. Mm -hmm. And it 
And maybe it's a, hopefully that's a maturing level that we have to go through, but I want to, I want to come back to another point here real quick. It just dawned on me. And I, I think because, and, and we are, we are working to make the village as fine as it can be. And, and I want to talk two things real quick. We've talked about the board. Uh, we're coming up with a show we did with Jeff Atkins, who's been on the board three different times. And we talked about how to get on the board, what it's like, what you serve on the board. And the bottom line is, I can tell you two or three people that got on the board because they were pissed off and they were going to fix things. Now they were going to fix things. And yeah. each one of them lasted less than six months because when, as Joni told me later, when confronted with the facts and when you dug in a little deeper, it's not quite as easy as y'all are stupid. It's a whole oh. lot more complicated. And, and to give you an example, roughly 16,000 people, right? Mm -hmm. Put it in that ballpark. Yep. It just dawned on me what you were saying. Uh, we have a thriving community. Thanks to you, Kelly, seriously, thanks to you and a whole bunch of other people. We have a thriving community. We're not looking at, Ooh, is it going to fail? Or are we going to have trouble? We're thriving. I think that's great. That's fantastic. If we weren't thriving, let's look at hot Springs village from the, from the state house. Let's look at it from the Capitol. We have 16,000 people who their sewer system has failed and it's now dumping into the middle fork of the Saline river. Mm -hmm. Now we have a crisis. Exactly. Oh, well, 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 they have to issue a special assessment and everybody in the village had to pay a thousand dollars per household. And some of them couldn't, and they didn't, and maybe there would be bankruptcy. And I'm painting a very, very dark picture because not because it's that way, but because that's the potential. It could be yeah. that way. And when you're in the state house and when you're in the court of the Capitol and you're looking at hot Springs village and you're going, they got all this under control, mm -hmm. but if they didn't, if they didn't, how many hundreds of millions would this cost the government, right? Oh, it, it would cost a lot and the reputation of the village. I mean, which would then in turn cause people to not want to be here and see, and that, that goes against why we all came here. Look, we're not in trouble, but the minute you let your guard down, look what happened in Jackson, Mississippi. Tragic, okay. truly tragic, but it didn't happen and overnight, did it now? No, but that is the state capital. Think about that for a moment. I didn't even die right? until you said that. Right there. That is the state capital of Mississippi, I believe. Unless yes, I got it that is. Yeah. No, no, no. You're okay. right. Yeah. And that thing turned into what it did. And they have access to state money and decide where it goes. See, look, this is about being proactive. See, you don't wait till you have a problem. You go out and you identify where things are going on. And you look and you do logical assessments of where we're working at and you build out from there. See, that's the whole thing. And there's a lot of time and energy by the people here. Look, once again, I'm not here to talk about what happened in the past. The past is only something to learn from. I'm here to talk and learn from the people that have been around. What, what didn't work? Why didn't it work? Okay, what, what can we do differently? Look, if you keep it simple, right, and people moved here to retire. I didn't move here to work. <laughs> Everybody moved here so that they can go walk the trails, play golf, you know, have, have decent roads to live on, nice lakes to look at. But unfortunately, we've made poor choices in the past that have caught up with us. And now we're coming up with creative ways to be able to catch up and make up some time without going broke. Anything's easy if you got money. You All know what I mean? All it takes is money, right? All yeah. it takes is money. 
But I mean, you know, and then people, you know, what's funny is, is people look at the budget and we put it up as a board each month and they're like, but there's $20 million there. Nah, not really. <clears throat> because you got, you, you need to put up that money. You know, you don't spend every doggone dime you got. Seven million of that 20 million we show you is in what's called reserve funds. And that's called like a 401k. That's money that we don't want to touch ever, 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 ever. We want that to grow and compound and do the things that we need to do. That is being responsible citizens. That's what we want that. The rest, yeah, it's earmarked for projects. But when you have almost $60 million, and that's a low number of what you need to do to catch up on a half a century of aging in a village, Okay, go ahead, do the math. I got all these smart people out there that want to tell me how to do it. Bring it on. You show me at the current burn rate of the amount of money you're bringing in and all the work you got to do with what resources you have, show me. Because you know what? You should have filled your application out to be the general manager since you know so damn much. That's usually my first response. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Well, and, and somehow you know, miraculously, the board didn't choose them when they didn't fill out their application, nor would they have. Isn't that odd? What are the odds, right? I don't know what to tell you there, brother. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I came from a logistics background, but what I learned at my company that I work for, they've been around for 115 years. They just did their earnings report today. Look good. 115 so, years later. They're still going and probably still be around another 100 plus years. They weren't perfect by any means. We made a lot of mistakes along the way. But what I did learn from them is listen to your people and be fiscally responsible with the money as you get it. Well, and well, we continue I, to keep doing that. Dennis. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I want to take us another direction just for a second. Sure. Uh, and, and I don't want to be driven by social media complaints or whatever, but I know there was a lot of questions about the paving about the many miles of paving that we've already done. And I don't know that I would even call it paving. And for those of you who do watch the show, you know that Ken Unger said this was a stopgap measure to, to get us into a permanent plan. What would you say about that, Kelly? Well, you know, paving is when you go rip up, you know, bad asphalt and put down new. Okay. Um, the roads we had, the asphalt wasn't that bad yet. But it was doing things called what's it's uh, there's cracks alligatoring. and then there's alligatoring. Yeah. All right, alligatoring is when it starts to break down due to wear and tear. You get like that's where potholes start. So you know, with the price of petroleum products, it's very expensive. And even if they were cheap, putting in brand new roads, all right, we go back to that paying thirty six dollar a month stuff for many years, sixty dollar a month. Okay. What we did is it's a coating that's put on there. Now, normally when you, uh, you see that done outside the village in previous lives where it's been, they put down like a 0.08 millimeter, I think Ken told me. This one was a 0.25 millimeter with a grit in it. So what we're really doing when people want to complain, even when you do anything, all right, is the fact that we preserved an asset that we had already put money into. And if you don't look at it that way, I don't know what to tell you. I guess we could do nothing and we could drive around like the old Wagoneer days. We don't have the money to put in brand new roads. What we do have money and be smart about is 
being able to preserve the asset that we have and allow it time to build up then when we need to replace it. You know, it, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's just like I want a new car because I want a new car. The one I got ain't broke, but I'm just going to go ahead and turn it in anyway and lose money on it. That's not the way you treat assets. That's the old way of thinking around the village. And that has to stop. Well, it's got waviness in it. Okay. You know what? Stay at home. Don't drive on it. Then I don't know what to tell you. But you know what? They took it when they put it down. They used, you know, the ones I've seen done, they just spray it on there. This actually took a brush and like pushed it down into the cracks and got it down in real good. And then if you notice, Ken had been prepping a lot of these roads with doing crack sealing on them. You know, it's preserving an asset. And you don't have, unless somebody's won the lottery that they want to help us out with this deal, we need to be smart. This costs a lot less money to help us get a lot more years out of it. Same thing with the culverts that we've been redoing. You know, people don't understand. The culverts are, had, you know, were before Ken got in the chair and I got in the chair, they were rotting out. And I don't know if you remember, remember when uh, up here on DeSoto, right by the POA, they had that one collapse and we lost oh, yeah. DeSoto? Oh, okay. Yeah. That was, we have over 1,300 culverts in the village. So they all have to have a re, they've all got to be redone to some degree. And we're going after the worst ones first, but we're doing a process that cost a third, a third of what the traditional way the POA did these. It's called slip lining. Mm-hmm. And the process is working very well. It's a known process that's been done here in the village before with a few things. From an Arkansas company. Yes, sir. Arkansas company. And we don't have to rip the road up and inconvenience the residents by doing a lot of detours. So we've been actively going at that because, you know, you don't replace the pavement till you get the under, you know, so you go underground first and then you come up and you do the other ones. You know, and then, I, you know, somebody said, well, when are they going to get the striping done? Okay, well, as soon as the company gets done doing what they were doing, because they came in and did a section, and then they went on to another job they had a contract with, while we finished more of the the fogging on the road, and then when they were done, they came back. You know, it's amazing to me. People think that these folks are just sitting there waiting. You know, that costs a lot of money just to keep people on retainer. You know, every time you call your lawyer, the clock starts ticking. Mm-hmm. The second. So we plan these out to get them for the most fiscally responsible availability. I think they look great. But, you know, it's things like that. It's like, are you serious? Well, let, let's talk about it. I mean, I don't know how many miles there were, but I'm there were vast sections of DeSoto. And, and let's back up. For those longer-term guests, longer-term members and owners who are here, I would say – Let's be. Let's just call a, a spade a spade. The traffic has improved, has increased. I would say twenty five percent. We have a lot more traffic than we used Dude. to, and the fact that they did this in one week, in one week, from end to end of all the serious places in front of the woodlands, in front of the the uh, Carmona, all these areas, I, I, had we p- repaved it, we'd still be talking about this, and we'd still be on the first two mile section right down here, down here on Carmona. Right. It would have taken months to do that. And if this, if this patch, pardon the term, after it's done correctly, if this patch gets us five years at current petroleum prices, right. this was a bargain, a bargain in any way we look at. It is. It is. And the roads, they, they look new. 
they see the great. trick. The, the trick with anything, you know, it's like rust on a, on metal. You know, and there, we have a lot of smart people out there watching this. You you you've got to address the cracks. You keep the water out of it. Those from the north, right? That's how the big potholes get in the road. They get in, freeze, thaw, freeze, thaw, and that's what creates the expansion in there and causes it to break down and fall apart. And you get all that. It's the same goes here. We don't have the super bad weather, but you get those cracks in there like anything you put down. All right. Even concrete, when you put weight on them, you know, eventually they're going to get cracks there. And when the water gets in, it just mother nature is going to do what mother nature does. She's going to win. So the whole objective is, is to keep the, you know, the cracking from getting any worse or prevent it from happening at all. And you also get a nice clean look on top of it. People are like, well, you just put lip on a lipstick on a pig. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. I mean, you know, it's kind of like uh, putting wax on your car to a degree. You're protecting it and being able to get more longevity out of it. And you're being smart with the money because we did it for a lot less and we were able to be strategic about how we do things because you, you can go put all your money in one basket, aka new roads, but you got no money for the water and sewer or for this or that or anything else. And, you know, when you're trying to run 26,000 acre community, there's more to it than just what you see out your front door. Yeah. You know, you've got to manage the forestry. You've got to manage the lakes. You've got to manage this and that. Everything else goes with this place that everybody enjoys and depends on. And when you're not sitting on a big bucket of money, right, from the state or that big corporate umbrella, you have to be strategic and thoughtful in what you do. And we use a lot of our committees to do these decisions, Dennis. And that's why I tell people, join a committee, fill out an application, or go volunteer, but do something besides stand and complain. And, and, and you will be educated. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, and you will be educated. I promise you. I've never gone to a committee. And I, I think I'm pretty knowledgeable about the village. I've never gone to a committee and not gone. I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't know. We, have, doing we that. have, we have brilliant people. You, you know, really I do. tell people all the time, you know, the village is kind of like Silicon Valley. Um, you've got an incredibly high IQ of people here in a small area uh, because many of us are retired executives uh, that moved here to, to, uh, to, you know, enjoy our life. And you, you have a wealth of information. That's what I pulled together is through committees like the Cooper land deal uh, pulled together a committee to help make that decision because I wasn't up for spending that money but when we did the legwork, we found a lot more than what was on the surface. Same thing with the governing documents and everything, putting a committee together for that. What's outdated? What's too wordy? Simplify it for your average person that we're not bogging down everybody with a bunch of noise. What protects property values? What's common sense? What would you expect if it was your neighbor next door? And let's go forward. So I believe, see, that's also in community engagement that you take a lot of that off of the board and the POA, not that we don't want it, but you're getting a cross cut of many members that bring ideas and intelligence to the table that you come up with the best and most logical progression for what we want for the future. And see, and that may be something new that really hadn't been done here before, but that's the way I grew up at UPS is we got the people that did the job every day 
And that's why I spent a lot of time talking to the employees here to figure out how to fix things. But you, you really get, you know, the people that are out there and you involve them. And when you have an inclusionary style like that, um, you know, I think you can get the best product and the best outcome for the members. And that's really what's important. Yeah, no question at all. And, and I want to come back. A guy who knew a little bit about common property, knew a little bit about reserve property, knew a little bit about the, the rules in the village. I went to the committee the first meet, first couple of meetings. I was out of town after that. But I remember looking at the, uh, the, the uh, reserve properties committee and thinking, I don't know how this is going to work out. And then I finally saw the result and I was like, that's way better than I could have ever, ever, ever dreamed in any of these. And I knew many of these problem properties very intimately. I could tell you exactly where they start, where they stop, what they're associated with, why Cooper had them, all that kind of stuff. And, and they literally in my book, now I'll give you this credit too. That was a rabbit out of the hat. Now, now some people will go, why did we pay so much for those trails? Number one, you have to be educated. You have to educate yourself, hopefully with programs like this. I cannot give you a 30-second clip as to why we had to preserve the Cedar Creek trails. If you've walked them, I wouldn't have as much problem describing it to you. If we've talked about water security and water fidelity for, for Balboa Lake, we wouldn't have as much problem. But the, but the person that would complain about the, the buying those reserve properties has no idea the bargain you got. Yeah, so let's let me give you the thirty second rundown. Please. Uh, the initial asking price was one point two million. For for how many properties? That was just the Cedar Creek. Just Cedar Creek. That was ninety acres at Cedar Creek. And we're talking the area basically between the Beehive and Danville Road that goes back between behind there. It comes out of the back of Lake Coronado and goes over to the beginning of Lake Balboa. Yes, sir. That area right there. So it's the, they asked one point two million. We paid four hundred fifty thousand. Okay, negotiated it down. I, I think I started at 250. Um, and we were able to come to an agreement and take 20 acres of that as reserve property, not common for us as members to maybe one day sell, not on the trail, up on the upper part by the road for us to recoup some of that money. So that out was of the, out of the floodplain, outside the floodplain. Outside the floodplain. The purchase of the property had nothing to do with the trail. Okay, it's pretty, and I'm going to make some people upset, but I'm going to explain. Um, Lake Coronado creates Cedar Creek, which feeds Balboa. You have access off Danville Road there, Dennis. Mm -hmm. They were going to take this out for national bid. There was a potential, a potential, a good potential, too. Someone could have bought that, made it into a hunting preserve, which I think was one, one of the marketing things that was being talked about. They would have had access off Danville Road, would have paid no assessments to the village, could have out. Could have had their own gate off Danville Road. Yes, sir. And dammed up Cedar Creek and made a duck pond or whatever they wanted there and would have cut off the water supply to Lake Balboa. And, Even deter through and deteriorated the water, and it would have diminished the water quality going into Lake Balboa because it would have had sediment, blah, 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 blah. Oh, even that, if they wanted to, you know, and there's Riverian law in Arkansas, which legally I could have went and fought it, but that would have took money uh, that would have outweighed what we paid for it. So we got all, not only the 90 acres that that committee found, but a whole bunch of other places like the Danville Gate was not POA property. It yep. was uh, Cooper property. 
Um, both sides the of the towers. road right there. I'm sorry, both sides of the road right there, actually. Correct, correct. They found, so here's the bottom line. The 90 acres was just Cedar Creek. There's another 57 acres that the committee found with working with Cooper, a property that they quit claim deeded over to us. So we got all of the, we got 147 acres in total from the Cooper deal, which was just under $3,100 an acre is what we end up paying as members. We preserve Lake Balboa. We preserve the trail. We preserve, we got land over behind uh, by the Menorca sanitation area to expand that for a future vision that we're going to have on and on and on. But we cleaned up all the little nickel dime things since the village has been kind of parted out over the years and got it back to where now as members, we have it preserved for the rest of our you know, existence here. Well, well, let me give a great example. I'm looking down the lake as we talk right here at the back of El Jim, El Jimador's Mexican restaurant, right? Where Colella goes over the end of the lake. Beautiful area. Never yep. thought about it. I'm sitting with Jeff having lunch the other day. And Jeff said, boy, you know, it sure is a good thing. The, res the uh, reserve committee got this worked out. What do you mean? We're sitting on the back deck. I've got the puppy with me. We're, we're having lunch, looking over from the patio over the back of El Jim's down to the lake. And he said, this acre and a half spot was one of the reserve properties. And there's a sewer line running right under the trail system here. Mm -hmm. And had Cooper sold that, I, I think they had a price of it for $40,000. Let me get this right. Uh, $40,000 for roughly an acre and a half on the lake, lakefront property. And you would have had you, the POA would have had to move that sewer line that would have cost a hundred thousand dollars easy. Mm -hmm. And this is a, this is a non-event because the committee did their job, right? Yeah. There, there's a bunch of different things like that, Dennis. Um, All over. I think they, you know, we, they went through it. They did a phenomenal job. So uh, like I said, there were several water towers that weren't deeded to the POA properly. Coronado was one problem. of them. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. because, you know, you got to look, I'm gonna go back to it. I am not throwing rocks at CCI, but they left in 2006 and they've been parting out the village one piece at a time over and over and over again. And there are just blocks that they've sold off over time to outside parties that it was all chopped up. So now this committee was able to clean it up, point it out to them because they were just in wholesale mode of got to get out. So, you know, that that's what we're dealing with. And, you know, when you break it down into bite-sized pieces, it sounds like a lot of money, but it was really, and people are like, you know, well, that's not infrastructure. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because if you'd have lost that creek, there was a chance Lake Balboa could look like Lake Mead in a few years if that water source got cut off. Turned into a pond. Very much. And I think those property values along there, people would be easily writing checks to pay for that $450,000 that live on Lake Balboa. There would have been volunteers from Lake Balboa Shoreliners, I promise you. Yeah. So this was a strategic decision. Like I said, when, when we first talked about it, I was the biggest vote no on it. Dr. So no. For all of, you remember me and you talking about this? I ain't buying it. I already got 26,000 acres. What the hell do I need 90 more acres for? But through the hard work of the committee and us being strategic, we were able to figure out it is true infrastructure need. And now the village is protected that we don't have to fight with these things uh, in the long run. Um, and we're still working through some other Cooper properties that we're not buying, 
but we're making sure that off information we found from the committee, like water pipes that come off Lake Balboa that feed some of the retention ponds on the golf courses, that there are easements that are put into those for us to have access rights to that on that property, that we're not buying the property, but you will put easement rights in the contract. So we've made that aware to them, given it to them. And that's going to help out the village in the long run as well. Giving them a check and then getting the property and those easement rights seem to make it a little easier for them, I suspect, right? It does. And people will people will look back on this 10 years from now and realize, you know, it, it was a really smart move by that committee and the board. So well, now let me ask, because I know this question comes up, I'm going to put on the devil's advocate hat for a moment. Where did all that money come from? How did we get $450,000 left over? I thought we were desperate, blah, blah, blah. We are, we are desperate, but the money came from a lot of, remember I told you that we were, that we were putting in the culvert project for a third of the money. Sure. Things, things like that. Really? It's literally from savings. Savings. So we had, we had money in the seven-year O&M for five and a half million dollars to get rid of the sewer smell that are coming off the lift stations. Well, we, we've found a different way to fix that. And it's going to be over about a year and a half project. But if you notice, it's starting to go away. It is. It's getting better. It's because we found a solution that is way cheaper than what was originally thought had to be done by some predecessors. And we're using just good old fashioned common sense and it's working. And so it's going to take time, but we've been able to eliminate some things and do some things differently and spend that money smart. So you take that out of the budget, you reapply it over to here and you, you fix it and you move this. But being working smarter instead of harder, we've been able to save money. So it's not that we're not destitute. We were able to make strategic decisions because I'm not going to go out and buy things. Matter of fact, I'm offboarding assets like the gas station over by the Coronado Center. So we should have a contract on that next month. I'm really? not a gas station attendant. <laughs> what am I going to use it for? Well, we have meetings there. I'm running a 16% utilization rate at the Coronado Center on the meeting rooms. No, it's got to go. So we offboarded that asset. We made money on it. Um, it wasn't even part of the original Cooper. It was one of the things that got picked up in there. But, you know, it's things like that. And so we're going to take that money and apply it to paying down the 450000 So right. people are like, where's this money coming from? Well, it all came from savings. Uh, but when you, when you need $60 million, you never got any extra money. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what people have to understand when they're like, you know, well, but you said, okay, listen to the whole video. Okay. <laughs> exactly. When you owe exactly. 60 million and you only got $600, you still owe a lot of money. It, it's not time to go to the casino and throw it all on seven. It's a time to double no. down and say, okay, we're going to have peanut butter and jelly for the next week, for the next two yeah, months. And I mean, years. And it, it, we're not going to, we, we can't exhale right now. And I'm not trying to be Dr. Doom here, but I'm, I, I am being realistic on the fact that, you know, I have great people that work with me at the POA. And if you notice, I said, work with me. People don't work for me. I don't like people working for me. I just get a bunch of yes men and women around. I like people that work with me 
And I have tried to surround myself with people that I feel are like-minded, have mutual interest uh, and a concern for our community. And I have built a succession plan for those team members that is very cross-functional, that will grow. People weren't hired just for one-dimensional type jobs. I hired them that they could fit into many facets. That way, when I find my predecessor or or excuse me, my uh, replacement and I move on with my life, I feel that the model that's been built by myself and the board will be longstanding for a long time uh, for us to enjoy. And it's not that it was done wrong before. You just don't need a bloated corporate org chart here. Um, You've got to have a very asset light management model that works well. Is, is it not about, and I know you, you've, you've, with the term writing the ship is one discussion, but mm-hmm. you've changed the culture, haven't you, Tarek Kelly? I mean, it's, it, I think you have, I think it's got a different culture now. And unfortunately, some of the people that I dearly loved aren't here anymore, but the people that are in their position are doing as well, or if I'm not a whole lot better. And they are, and I, I've got a very inclusionary management style um, that I spend a lot of time listening to uh, my directors, my superintendents, my committee members, and we, we collaborate. You know, I, I may make the final decision, but I do it after having long discussions and I wanna get it right. There's things that I know and I'm like, nah, we're doing it this way. And my team can feel that. They're like, yeah, we're not even gonna talk to him about it because he knows what we're gonna do. But then there's other times that we'll have discussions for months on end going through things um, just to get it right. You know, like this land purchase, just to get it right. You know, selling the gas station, just to get it right. Because like nobody could, you can't, you got to justify it, you know, and make sense. And, you know, and then I sit down and talk to people that I consider to be good advisors uh, that are out there in the community and get their input on it. And then I sleep on it. Or don't sleep on it. I don't sleep a lot sometimes. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, it's clear to me that, you know, um, in our society, and I'm not talking about social media, I'm not talking about politics, I'm not talking about anything. In our society, with the um, freedom of media, how about that? With the ease of media, that a lot of people are moving to a position where they're letting media or public influence make their decisions for them. And that is not how the corporate world works nor how it can be. And I, I love you if you don't agree with me, but this is a corporation. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't make a profit, we're all in a mess. And, and so that said, you, you, have to, you have to come to the best knowledgeable decision you can and move ahead and go, sorry, public media, public opinion, screw you for right now. We're doing the right thing for the right reason and in the right direction. And history will prove me right. Is that where we're at? Yeah, I, I don't cower to public opinion. That's uh, a good thing. You know, I, I don't. I mean, I, I, I listen to people's opinion and I take things into consideration. But you'll lose me this minute, the minute you start complaining. You know, it's one thing to have a concern, but then to have a solution that isn't petty and self-centered. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, there, like I said before, the village is not perfect. POA is not perfect. We know there's things wrong. But, you know, I've had people that came and, and pointed out issues and concerns, but they did it in a way that was very respectful and professional. And I listened to them and we, we incorporated some of their stuff. 
And then you get other people that just come up, you know, you know it's wrong. You, you're done. I'm not even going to listen to it. You know why? Because you're, you're probably going to say something stupid that is just not going to help anyone. Uninformed might be the word. Now, next, yeah. now serving number 53. Next, next. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and I hate to sound that way. I know. Uh, I know. And there's a lot of people that have a bad taste in their mouth because of former, former general managers or board members or POA. Okay. I get it. I get it. I really do. But I think in the, you know, the 10 months that I've been in the job that I've proven that I'm not the same old, same old. I wasn't afraid to come in and clean house at the POA. And I say that politely as I can, because we had a lot of mindset of people that one did not live here in the village. Okay. Nothing wrong with not, but I believe that if you have a ventured interest of living and, and working in your own community, you're probably going to work a little bit harder and smarter to take care of the money. You know that you do. I know. And, I and do. I'm not exaggerating. I know that. I know that about yeah. you. And yeah, no, I, I mean, <clears throat> if, you if can I had easily to walk away, Oh, yeah. This is optional for you. You don't have to do this. Oh, uh, no, I, I mean, and, you know, people that um, some people take a job. Um, and then I feel that the people that I've recruited on my team now, um, there it, it is a job, but it's a labor of love. I mean, they're they could easily go make money somewhere else, oh, more money. Sure. But they're doing it for a lot less. Hell, I'm doing what I do for a third of what I was making when I was in the corporate. Really? World. Well, I was going to, I was going to make a note real quick. If I had to summarize what I see the POA and, and actually the board uh, in what mode I see them in now, which is where we should have been the last 30 years, it's mm -hmm. efficiency. I see efficiency. Yeah. I see the decisions are not made based on public opinion or cosmetics or, or the, 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 the way and sway of the moment it's, is it efficient? Is that going to be the best decision long-term as a steward? of the mm -hmm. properties and the, the money that people have put us in charge of. Yeah. I think efficiency is very critical. Um, and being able to really make sure that each decision you make has a logical progression to the next one. It can't be whack-a-mole of we're going to go over here and fix this. And then we're going to come over here. Now we're going to come over and dig up what we just fixed because we didn't fix the culvert and then spend twice as much money or here, I got this, uh, crazy idea that we're going to go put this in, but it costs $6 million, but we don't know if it's going to work, but let's go ahead and put it in anyway. You know, things like that. When I go through some of the things that were loaded into the seven-year O&M, I'm like, and what exactly do we get for that? <laughs> well, you know, this, this is uh, the latest and greatest thingamajig. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Yeah, no, no. Dr. No says no. Well, yeah, I, so... I, we, and we need, we need to wrap up here in a minute, but I got one more question I wanted to ask you. Goodness. Sure. And, and did I just lose? I may have skipped a groove as we were coming in. Um, oh my goodness. I did. I did. I did. I, I, I skipped a groove. I apologize. I, I was going to ask, uh, I know we had talked just for a moment about the, uh, the public funding, which I think is huge. That's an mm -hmm. incredible opportunity. If that can come through, uh, what would you put the odds of that? Is it 50, 50? Is it 30, 70? I'm going to be real pessimistic, you know, kind of like winning the lottery because yeah. it's never been done. So I'm going to stay with that. But, you know, I, I will tell you, you know, you know, what we did with the police department, 
um, we were able to get the police department $91,000 in funding for the officers. Christy was able to get that done, which I was told by our predecessor couldn't be done uh, because we were a private gated community. So we went, read the language, and they got a $91,000 stipend, $5,000 per officer. So let me clarify something, too. Yeah. Um, there was something said at the last board meeting about how we were going to be our own police department and not be affiliated with the two counties. Not be that deputies or something. That's, yeah. yeah, that's incorrect. Okay. okay. That was that was misspoken uh, by a, a fellow board member. And uh, what what was what is true is that we are deputized by the two counties. We will continue to be recognized by that. We're also recognized by the state of Arkansas. What I believe was trying to be stated and should not have been, because that's my job to say those things from operations, was we are trying to how we can frame up our fire and police departments to get additional state and federal grant money. So instead of me naming them part of the POA, can they be named something else? Oh, so it's not that you're not going to be affiliated with the state or the counties. It's how do you get them? Because, see, we do what's called reciprocating. And so if there's an accident out on five highway and my fire and police, our fire and police are there before the county gets there, we have a responsibility. And it's just a good Christian thing to do. It is a mutual assistance, I think Christy called yes, it. Yes, sir. I think that's maybe a better term for it. But see, we go outside the gates all the time to assist on things because it's just the right thing to do. And, and it, what do it, we get paid for that? What do we get paid for that? Nothing. Zero. Nothing. Zero. But, it, you know, and they, and they assist us on things sometimes oh, sure. in the fence line. So, you know, it's a reciprocating agreement we have. Same thing with LifeNet. Yes, we pay a LifeNet contract, but... Think how petty you sound. You got a dying person out here on five highway. And we're not going to send our ambulance guy there. Okay, Sorry, that's can't, silly. Yeah. Sorry, you can't get outside the gate. You didn't pay right, anything. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, things like that, people just need to know. So what we're trying to do, and we haven't figured it out yet. We will still be affiliated with the counties because we live in the counties. Sure. We still will be affiliated with the state because we live in the state. What we're trying to do is can we get the wording on how they're seeing that the private gated community doesn't impact their ability as a first responder group to get grants that then would take a burden off us as members with some of the money that they could get, which is in some cases hundreds, if not millions of dollars um, that are out there that a lot of other communities are entitled to because of their responsibility as first responders. Well, See, this is a new way of thinking that the village has never done. And, you know, we're trying to not put ourselves in a position of hurting ourselves, but if it's just a word change, okay. Yeah. Which word would you like change? We'll fix yeah, it. Yeah, that's fine. But well, we're, and, we're, we're exploring that. And, and one doing, of the, we're not doing anything. One of the things I want to say to, to those that are listening or, or for out, inside out or, or wherever, any other organization in the state, we're under that municipal authority. We're under that jurisdiction. Any other municipality in the state under any consideration would get those funds, too. Correct. But we literally because we're private, we literally have excluded ourselves 
until we change a, a word, a, a funding word or, or a descriptor? Right. Come on, really? Yeah, so that's those are the things that Christy and myself and Chief Miller are working on with the, with the state to make sure that if it's just a, a comma and five more words behind that in a sentence, that, that's what we're working on is how do we do that without, because I mean, right now people, need, you know, I had somebody one day said, you know, the Hot Village Police Department's just a bunch of rent-a-cops. No, they're not. Those are actual deputized officers that can throw you into Garland County, Saline County Jail. As quick as a, a Garland County officer could, as yeah. quick as a state officer could. Exactly. I was like, are you serious? This isn't, you know, the, no, these are state-sanctioned officers. I, I found it extremely insulting. It is. Uh, it is. You know, these people are here to protect and serve our community. They're great men and women that work at both, you know, the fire and the police. But you know what? Th those people work for our community. They help in the community around us when needed. But it's not cheap running your own fire and police department, people. Never. 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 Ever, ever. And people are like, well, just let the counties take over. All right. Do you really think they're going to add more officers into this area? It costs them money, too. You think and you want to you yeah. want to wait 45 minutes for a call? Thank you. No, yeah. it's not. Good idea. It's, it's, Good idea. These are these are more of the uninformed people out there <laughs> that need to really understand that our, our people, uh, you know, they, they do a great job, but it, it, it does cost us money and things like that. I'm trying to educate people on. Because, it, you know, everything keeps going up. Well, you know? for, for, for once, for once, I need the final word just for a minute, because I need to speak for you if I can. Do you mind? Sure. I'll be very frank. We're starting a radio program, Hot Springs Village Inside Out. It'll be on Saturday mornings, Saturday and Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. And we're, we're taking some comments. And I may or may not have cut a clip of you saying they call me Dr. No. I may or may not have done that. Okay. Yeah. And I want to put that in context and in the radio program we do. And, and I want to put context around your decisions and your discussions. The reason that you said no to many times in your former job was to have the other people press their case and say, no, I can prove, Kelly, this right. is why this is a good decision. You didn't say no just off the cuff to try and turn everybody down. You would say no to try and make them press their case and say, I have these five reasons that are compelling that you need to hear. And I can change your no to a yes. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, and that was that's exactly right, Dennis. I mean, I, it was, it was twofold. One, I wanted them to prove their business case logically. And second part, it was about their development as a business person that it helped them grow because it made them become really prepared when they came to meetings, which is what they're learning here at the POA. Everything has to have a white paper and logical with all the math to tell a story. And then they have to have three bids. And I brought the same culture here. It's not being rude to people. It's forcing them to prove, right, and show me the work, you know, and it helps them grow in their role as a person uh, to be better at making those decisions. And then when you have that, you have accountability and then when you have accountability, you have trust. And I, I think it really helps people uh, grow. And that goes into the succession plan that we as members need for future leaders here. 
because it's not just, you know, they go through the motions and turn it in. They know if they're going to come ask me for money on anything, which they have to get everything approved, they're going to go through the ringer on anything and everything and probably be turned down if it doesn't really meet the letter of the law. And they're going to come back better. You know, and I challenge them, how can you do it better, but not, you know, look, you, you get what you pay for. So you can either go buy cheap stuff and say you did a good job and it falls apart, or you can become a better negotiator uh, at what you do or a better visionary of how things can be better for all of us in the long run. And that's, that's really the whole Dr. No story. Well, and let me go one further step to that Dr. No, the, the next succession step you talk about. I yeah. got news for you. Somebody that you've told no, odds are is going to be sitting in that chair in a few years. Probably. They, they needed to learn how to make someone prove their case definitively so that there's no discussion. You, you don't have to say, well, we kind of flipped the coin. It kind of came down to, yeah, we flipped it. No, you made your case. And guess what? Now you're going to need to make your case to the public or to the board or to other people. But we're, as you say, we're growing that person for the next generation too. Yeah, and I think that's important that people um, are able to communicate that to the membership, you know, and the board to be able to gain. It goes back to that trust thing, yeah. which you've been here a lot longer than I have, Dennis, and there's been a lot of distrust. And, you know, when people, you know, when people challenge me or make comments about me, I don't, I don't take it personal because I know a lot of that just goes with the role. They don't know me. The ones that do know me. Uh, have learned that, you know, I'm very blunt and direct, you know, about what I think and what I'm doing. You know, I, I just met with uh, the president of Boomers Rock this morning and had coffee. And you know what we talked about? We talked about what volunteer work they can do in the community and where they can make some donations. And, you know, and Tim, Tim's, a, you know, gotten to be a friend of mine and he's a good guy, uh, great organization. And I appreciate what they do. And, but see, it's things like that. People are coming to me saying, you know what, Kelly? How can we help? You know, we've got 800 members. How can we help? And those are the things of what the village is built on. And we want to continue moving forward. And a wonderful group. One of the largest membership groups in the village by far and away. And once again, a growing demographic. We see that demographic. All these demographics are changing ever so slightly. But the boomers that's the next generation. That's the generation that's going to be driving the bus the next 10 to 20 years. It is. And, you know, and life's about relationships, you know, and you can't sit here in this chair and say, I'm in charge. No, look, you're here to serve uh, and serve through an accountable way. That don't mean I'm going to, you know, give you what you want. That just means that I'm here to do the right thing and be honest with you. You know, and if you got a good point, I'll tell you, you got a good point. If you're being petty, I'm going to tell you, you're being petty. You need a nap, I'm going to tell you, go take a dog on nap. You know? Luckily, luckily so far, I've not been petty on your book. <laughs> no, no, no. You've been very good. You've been very good. You're, you're very gracious. Kelly Hale, for the general manager for Outer Rings Village POA, thank you for joining us this time. And I know we run a little long, but thanks. Hey, man, this is Mr. Dennis Simpson. Everybody enjoy his show. Take care, everyone. You're a delight, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. See you, Matt. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com. 
and tell a friend.